All right. Thank you so much. Enjoyed that tremendously. Amen. That's great. I tell you what, we may do some more of that. Y'all don't have anything to do until 10 or 11 o'clock tonight. Huh? We just have a sit down and have a good time. Turn, if you would, to the 24th chapter of the book of Joshua. We're in this summer talking about prophets and different ones in the Old Testament. And you come to chapter 24. It's the farewell of Joshua. He's uh, getting ready to tell folks uh, it's over with and he knows his days are numbered, and he gathers a nation around for a final farewell. There's something that's special about folks when they do their farewell words. It can be stirring, powerful, memorial. Douglas MacArthur, his last words, West Point Academy said, I'm an old soldier who tried to do his duty as God gave him the light to see that duty. Goodbye. And that was it. Voltaire, one of the world's famous infidel spent most of his life fighting christianity cried out with his dying breath i am abandoned by god and man i shall go to hell charles the ninth the king of france says what blood what murders what evil counsel i have followed i'm lost i see it well john wesley said best of all god is with us (laughs) so the last words mean a whole lot joshua chapter 24 and just look at verse 14, if you would, and, and, and we won't read the whole chapter. We'll refer to the whole chapter. But now, therefore, fear the Lord, and to serve him in sincerity and in truth. And, you know, we've already determined that, that when you fear the Lord, you really don't have anything else to fear. I mean, if God's in control of everything, and you're sold out to him, and he's yours, you're bought with the blood of Jesus, there's really nothing else to fear. Uh, He said, put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood in Egypt and serve you the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, you choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods uh, which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose hand you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he is, uh, it is that brought us up, our fathers, out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, in which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from us uh, all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore we will also serve the Lord, for he's our God. Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he's a holy God, he's a jealous God, he'll not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, he had done you good. The people said unto Joshua, verse 21, No, but we'll serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Your witnesses against yourselves, that you've chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now he said, put away the strange gods which are among you. Incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, set them a statute and ordinance in Shechem, and he wrote these words in the book of the law and took a great stone, set it upon there on an oak, which was a sanctuary of the Lord. And he said unto all these people, the Lord, behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it heard all the words of the Lord which he spake to us. It shall therefore be a witness unto you, lest ye deny 
your God. So Joshua let the people depart, every man into his own inheritance. I wonder what our final words might be. Uh, his final words was, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We've chosen. We're going to serve the Lord. Now, I see some, some striking things here in this 24th chapter of the book of Joshua. First of all, the, the performance of the Lord. The Lord has done some great things. The nation of Israel gathers together at Shechem. The people are present. They're presenting themselves. It's a great place for them to be challenged. Uh, it's nestled between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. It was a natural amphitheater there, a beautiful place shaded by olive trees. Abraham was promised the land of the Lord there in Genesis, 20, uh, Genesis 12. And then Jacob comes along, builds an altar in Genesis 33 and gives himself to the Lord. The Joshua and the people reaffirmed their commitment in the Lord after the incident at Ai. Remember, they had gone to Jericho and they beat the living daylights out of everybody and everything was great. And they said, hey, we're going up to here to, to Ai. It won't take very many of you. And they got the daylights beat out of them. And God spoke to them and said, look, it's not because you got outmaneuvered. It's not because their army was bigger than your army. It's because you got sin in the camp. And so they had sat there at that place and recommitted themselves to God. So it was a fitting place to challenge God's place uh, in people. It's a place where promises came complete circle uh, in this place of Shechem. Shechem means burden or a shoulder. And Joshua places the burden of leadership and obeying God upon the people's shoulder. And the message he delivers is from the Lord. Now, he gives them a plea. Verse 14, 15, 22, 23. There's uh, three or four pleas there. First of all, he said he gives them a plea for separation. Separation. He said, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. Now, that's the first time the word sincerity is used in the Bible anywhere there. But we, Proverbs is full of that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 1, 7. Fear of the Lord prolongeth days, Proverbs 10, 21. Uh, the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, Proverbs 14, 26. Fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Uh, we're to serve the Lord with sincerity and with 100% dedication. We're to serve him with everything we've got. Folks, I want to tell you, these are last days we're living in. And we all want to teach that doctrine, but nobody wants to live that doctrine. I mean, if these are truly last days, we ought to be doing everything we can to glorify the name of Jesus, to lift up the name of Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> he gives a plea for separation. Separate yourself from this world. My soul, could we do that today? I mean, I'm afraid we're so far mixed up in the world, I'm not sure it could ever happen. Uh, but I believe God can still do it. But we literally have got to put our mind, uh, you know, all, all you got to do, I'll tell you, we pass in our checkbooks tonight or our ATM cards, and we can tell whose God is whose. You, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. And I'm just telling you, we're sitting here saying we believe Jesus can come at any moment, and then we're stocking up for ourselves and taking care of ourselves while people are dying and going to hell all around us. He said there's separation, but there also ought to be a plea for surrender. Verse 15, he says, you make up your minds and to whom and to choose whom they'll serve. Now, Joshua is, is just like most of us preachers. Most of y'all think preachers are dumb as a sack of hammers. 
I mean, you know, I have people all the time come sit in my office and they'll say, Brother Charles, you know, I don't know. And I'm sitting here saying, well, I know. It's all over town. I know. Do you think we're all just idiots? You know, Joshua knew that the people of Israel were serving false idols. They were hiding it. They were doing it in their house. They didn't want to do it publicly out there. But he knew what was going on. And he said, hey, put away those false idols. There's no room for compromise. There's no room for neutrality. Elijah, uh, down the road in 1 Kings 18, going to give the same. He's going to give the same uh, challenge here. He said, if the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. And the people in, in 1 Kings answered him not a word. The book of James says it like this. Instability is a trait for those who are double-minded. Choose. It's an authority. It's a command. The message of Joshua in the scriptures here is let's make up our mind who we're going to serve. I, I, love, uh, uh, I, I love him after, you know, years. I didn't like him there for a few years. I was mad at him. Uh, Billy Foote, tremendous man of God. But he brought me to Marshall and just dumped me in the middle of the place down there at ETBU and said, you need an education. Well, you see what that did. Uh, but anyway, I'm still, I spent 30 years trying to pay for it after he dumped me there in the middle of it there. But Billy Foote used to say this. I know many of you have heard him say this. And he would do the little comical skit at the piano and everything. And he'd say, if I was going to be a bear, I'd want to be the biggest, ugliest, grizzliest, meanest bear there was. And if I'm going to be a Christian, I ought to want to be the very best Christian I can be. I mean, if this thing's real, if God's real, do you believe God's real? You believe the Word of God's real? I mean, do you really think that God is who He says He is? Then we ought to choose to be the very best Christian we can possibly be. We're going to invest our life in something. (laughs) We'll either throw it away for nothing or we'll invest it in something. One of the two. President Reagan said this in his second inaugural address in 1984. He said, America was founded by people who believed God was their rock of safety. And I recognize that we must be cautious in claiming that God is on our side. But I think it's all right to keep asking if we're on his side. Are you on the Lord's side? See, God's got a side. (laughs) I love I, I mean, I, now you know I love America. I love America. But I want to tell you, if you think that we're not just as crooked and underhanded as the Russians or anybody else, you 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 got your head in the sand. I mean, you got your head in the sand. I, we, we have we've come to the place where it's it we we do what we can. Same thing going on in our politics right now. Seven seven years. Republicans have been saying, you elect us and we're going to repeal this. Well, hello? Seven years and they don't have any better of a program today than they did seven years ago. Now, y'all know I'm a Republican. <laughs> I'm a Republican, <laughs> I guess. But, hey, you, you turn all those folk upside down in Washington, D.C., and there's not a hair's bit of difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. They're looking out for themselves. And I'm just telling you, we need to make sure we're on God's side. We, we don't necessarily have to have a side. We, that's how we do. We pray, Lord, we're going to do this. Now, we want you to bless it. 
Well, my goodness, we ought not to be praying that. We ought to be finding out what God's will is and say, God, we want to. Remember, black would be taught that in experiencing God. Find out where God's working and just join in with what God's doing. You don't have to have your own parade. Life is full of choices. I, I haven't even talked to my wife today. We've been, I've been running, she has too, all day. But the best man at my wedding called me this afternoon, Donnie. And I was going to use him in the sermon tonight. Now, we hadn't seen Donnie in, what, 10 years, 15 years, something like that? And he calls me tonight. But I remember at ETBU, it was a Thanksgiving. And Marcia, his wife, had said, Donnie, we need milk and bread. Now, this was in the mid-70s. And uh, Donnie, uh, I seriously doubt Donnie would ever, he, you could count on one hand the number of times he'd been to a store in his whole life. He was from Arkansas, and in Arkansas, the women did all the cooking and shopping and everything. You know, it wasn't liberated like Texas, where we all do it together. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I'll never forget. Now, this was before cell phones or anything. We waited, and we waited, and we waited. And finally, the phone rang. Now, what he had done, he, we were all broke college kids. Uh, he had borrowed a quarter from somebody to call back and his first question was this what kind of bread do you want <laughs> i mean there's long bread short bread wheat bread white bread potato bread i mean what what kind of bread do you want you know how many choices we've got of bread have you have you gone into the grocery store lately to say hey pick up some washing detergent to do the clothes you know how many kinds it, it won't fit on a whole aisle of the different choices we've got. There's choice after choice after choice. And uh, uh, someone said it like this, every evening the king comes home and sits on his throne. Now that throne is the recliner. And he takes his scepter, which is the remote, and points it at the subject, which is the TV. And then he's got 300 different choices to make. And that's kind of the way our life is. There are choices uh, man, you, you know, go down and have your oil changed. Say, well, just what kind of oil you want? Well, just, well, my goodness, I want oil that goes in the car. What else is there? Well, there's a hundred different kinds of them there. We've got choices. Now, when you come to this choice, you've got to understand it's an imperative choice. It's urgent. It's urgent. It, it is, it, it's necessary. It's, it's, you, you, it, let me put it like this. It's not a choice that you can make. It's a choice you will make. It's not, well, I don't know whether I will or not. No, you will. He said, you choose. It's imperative. You choose, but you will choose. You'll either choose to serve the God of this world or you'll serve the God Jehovah. But you will choose. It's an imperative choice. But then not only is it imperative, it's uh, individual. He said, you choose, choose you. I was at a revival service out in the woods uh, Monday night, and uh, no cell phone service, that's how far in the woods it was. And uh, this, uh, the preacher, he said, uh, man, there were people at the altars, and he said, w would you come over here and, and, and deal with this lady? And she was in her probably 50s, I don't know, maybe 60s, her and her husband, and uh, they needed to be saved. But they didn't know they needed to be saved because the first thing out of their mouth is, now, 
we're not sure why we're feeling the way we are because my grandfather was a preacher. And then the guy piped in and said, and, and my daddy was a deacon in a Baptist church. And I said, well, you know what? A dollar and that'll get you a cup of coffee down here at McDonald's. That's about as far as that'll get. Because what your grandfather had or what your mama had or what your daddy had ain't enough for what you need. It's an individual choice. It, it, it's you, you choosing. I mean, I'd, I'd love to be able to say, Lord, you, you, you know the people that you put me in charge of? They're the reason I don't have no hair. They're the reason I did what I did. None of that's going to matter. God's, I'm standing before him myself. You're standing before God. It's an individual choice. It's a personal experience. Now, you go on there, though, and it's also an immediate choice. He said, choose you this day. You go ahead and make up your mind right now. Are you going to serve God? Or are you going to serve the God of this world? Can you imagine? That's one reason I want to tell you. I, I don't want to fool with kids, but I love preaching to kids. Because when kids know that they need to be saved, they just come on down the aisle, and by faith, they get saved. I've never had a kid walk down an aisle and say, and I show them the plan of salvation, and they say, well, let, let me think about it. Never had a kid tell me that. Never had a kid saying, well, the crowd, there's so many people there. Uh, let, let me wait till another day. They just do it. Can you imagine old Zacchaeus up in that tree as the Lord came by, and he said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to your house today. Zacchaeus said, mm, wait a minute, Lord. I'm not sure I'm ready for you to come to my house. No. In fact, myth has it. Now, it's myth. It's not fact. It's not biblical. Myth has it that he came down the tree so fast that he stripped the bark off the tree, and that sycamore tree doesn't have a bark now because Zacchaeus come down it so fast. Now, that's myth. I know that's myth. But I'm just telling you right now, when the Lord looked up and said, come on down, I don't think he made 15 excuses. I think he came on down right then. So it's individual. It's imperative. It's immediate. Uh, it's also an influential choice. He said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Uh, we got some young couples here that's got children. And let me just tell you, you, you know this. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here on Wednesday night. But you're responsible for your children. When they go in a, in a, in a, a room and, uh, or go into a store and they tear that thing all to pieces, you're responsible for it. I mean, they, they, you go into a restaurant with them and they have chairs turned upside down and look like World War III in that place there. You're responsible for them. You're responsible for them. And you need to understand that. Uh, Barbara Bush said this years ago. She said, success doesn't depend on what happens in the White House. It depends on what happens in your house. And I'm just telling you, uh, this Joshua influenced his whole family. Now, I understand there comes a time when your kids get old enough and they move out, and you can't make them. But I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, it blows my mind to stand in the grocery store and hear them parents talk baby talk, now baby. And I was just wanting to say, let, let me have them 10 minutes. Just 10 minutes. I'm going to count to 100 now, and if you're not through by then, I'm going to put you in time out. 
No, you're responsible for them. Joshua was influential. He said, I want to tell you about my family. We'll serve the Lord. And if I got one of them at home that don't want to serve the Lord, when I get through with him, he'll want to serve the Lord. He'll serve the Lord. Amen? That's what you call influential. And you're influential. Let, let me ask you this. If you're not going to serve the Lord, who are you going to call when something happens? Tracy Jones, I know y'all been getting those emails. And uh, praise God, you know, God's working, and I thank God for people who want people to pray. Uh, but when, when your little granddaughter, newborn granddaughter, goes to the emergency room, and then they take her to Texas Children's, and then they announce she's got spinal meningitis, who are you going to call? I'm going to tell you, you better call on God. You better call on the people of God. You trust God. You, you, you're influenced. And then uh, the, the, this last thing, I'll tell you, you know this already, but much of the influence of Christianity is based on worldliness today. Now, I, I've, I've, I've spent my whole life trying to be creative and trying to be a good Christian and not be one of these that was against everything. Uh, that's one of the reasons that we have, we have a, a blended worship service. There's just, there's just, and, and I have to cringe at some of the things our youth do when they go to camp. I have to cringe, and I'm not real thrilled with it. I watched an Andy Griffin show uh, here last week, and uh, the, the, Miss Helen Crump was leading this group, and they were going to do a dance production there at the high school for the final show, and the, the principal said, no. I mean, he just saw one, one thing of it, and he said, no, absolutely not. They're not going to get up there, you know, and all this. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. No. It's out. Anybody see that show? And uh, they said, no. Well, she devises a plan where they do a show based on what the principal was doing when he was their age. Well, it's crazier than what the young people were doing that day. And I dare say some of y'all in here who want to be against what the young people are doing today, you did a lot worse. You did a lot worse. Can you believe that as 10-year-old kids... We went outside hunting with, with four tens and all. Can you imagine giving a 10-year-old a four ten shotgun today and turning him loose behind the house to go hunting? Anybody here do that? No. You'd say, that's crazy. Well, we did it. I was driving my daddy's 51 Chevrolet truck when I was eight years old. Anybody here got an eight-year-old you want to turn your car loose with? <laughs> you see, <laughs> we, 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 if we're not careful, we, we don't want to become part of the world. We can't do that. But at the same time, we can't be so staunch that we don't open ourselves up for new ideas. And I'll tell you what my prayer is, is that uh, I, I remember how I was in high school. And my prayer is for my kids and different kids is that God turn them around just like he did us. Just like he did us. I, I mean, you know, man, kids, some of them take a little longer to turn around than others, but God's still able to do that. Serving the Lord's got tremendous benefits. 
is tremendous. Uh, healthcare program, our doctor is a great physician. We don't need Obamacare or Trump care either one. We've got the great physician. Retirement program, well, we've been made joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Our Father owns everything. Salary package, we don't need a salary thing. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. We've got to have a cell phone. Anybody in here don't have a cell phone? There's one. Kenny, I, I would expect you two would not have one. Out of everybody in this place. But your wife's got one. And she takes care of it for you all. Amen? Amen. All right. But you, you know what? We don't need a cell phone. We've got the best communication system. Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I'll answer thee. Show thee great and mighty things which I know it's not. That's better than AT&T or Verizon ever thought about being. We've got job placement programs. The saints will judge the earth and rule and reign with Jesus. We've got an insurance program that's out of this world, already been bought and paid for in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, let me get off of that. Let me hit the third thing here, his plea for steadfastness in verse 22 and 23. The same principles uh, are taught in the, uh, in, in the New Testament uh, about adding that which is good and removing that which is bad from our life. That's what he says here in 22 and 23. And, and then uh, 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 I, I, let, let me, well, well, no, let me do that. He talks about in Colossians 3, 8 and 9, put off these things, anger, wrath, bla malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, all those things, lie not one another. Then he says, put on, therefore, verse 12 through 17, as the elect of God, holy, beloved, vows of mercy, kindness, humbleness, mind, all of those things we're to put on. There's a plea here, though, to be steadfast in the Word of God. We're to show the same kind of mercy that the Lord showed us. The same mercy. Okay? And then the, the, you see here, let's close this out quickly here, the Pledge of Israel. They say, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Joshua said, you, bet, you better now, you better think about this. Don't you make no promise to God you're not going to keep. You better think about this. No, we're going to serve the Lord. And then he responds in verses 19 and 20 for the punishment for disobedience. He said, you cannot serve the Lord. He detected their insincerity and their lightness of their response. They were just kind of being flippant about it. Just emotional. Hey, we'll serve the Lord. All right, big boy, we'll serve the Lord. Uh, to get you off our back, we'll serve the Lord. And Joshua said, you, you better be careful. The heart is deceitful, wicked above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? The promise to serve the Lord quickly went away. And Judges 2, listen to what the Bible said. Also that generation were gathered unto their fathers. There arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. See, that was one of the things when they were, when they were choosing to serve the Lord. Joshua said, remember now, who, who, who's done anything for you, this world or God? And they're saying, well, it was God when we went up against the Red Sea and he parted the waters and he destroyed the entire Egyptian army. It was God when we didn't have anything to eat and manna fell down out of heaven. It was God when we didn't have anything to drink that the water came from the rock. It was God that provided us safety through all of this and a, and a cloud and a pillar of, uh, of fire. It was God that did all of that. So we've considered that. 
<laughs> but this generation didn't know the works which he'd done. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. They forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them, bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. Hmm. Wow. We need to be really careful about this because we're, we're in a, we're in a, hmm, we're in a predicament as a church. I, I think you're the group here that wants to stand on the word of God. You want to say, hey, thus saith the word of God. But I want to tell you, be honest with you, don't you be dumb now. Don't be an idiot. There are a lot of people that gather here on Sunday morning that don't want to hear the word of God. They enjoy the excitement, and they love the children's ministries, and they love the youth ministries, and they love the music and all of that, but they're not interested in standing on the Word of God. So what do we do? Well, I'll tell you, those of us who know the Lord need to get along with God and spend some time and, and praying and fasting and doing everything we can to make sure this next generation knows who God is. Maybe sometimes they don't know the Lord because we've not been faithful to testify about how good God has been. Maybe we've forgotten about all those times that God's been with us. We've got to make sure that not only we serve the Lord, but we've got to make sure we leave a church and a legacy of our young people coming up who want to serve the Lord God Almighty also. Well, the last thing happens is Joshua dies 110 years old. He's called the servant of the Lord. Servant of the Lord. When you die, what's going to be said of you? What's going to be said of you? Are you going to be a servant of the Lord? <laughs> or are we going to have to look for somebody to say something good? You heard that story about the meanest guy in town. Uh, and he died, and nobody was wanting to do the funeral. But his brother came to the preacher, and he said, uh, I need somebody to do my brother's funeral. Boy, he kind of bowed his head. He said, but I don't want just somebody to do the funeral. I, I want somebody to call my brother a saint. That preacher thought, man, there ain't no way. Everybody in town knows how wicked this guy was, how mean this guy was. He said, I want to tell you, I've got $1,000 for you if you can do that funeral and call my brother a saint. Man, everybody in town showed up at that funeral. They all knew the preacher needed $1,000, and they was waiting to see just how the preacher was going to call that guy a saint. That preacher got up, and he said, I want to tell you, he didn't lie a lick. He said, this guy right here we're looking at is one of the meanest guys. He was a woman chaser. He was an alcoholic. He, he did evil. He did everything in the world he could. But upside his brother, he's a saint. <laughs> now, you don't want somebody to have to tell that about you. Man, have mercy. Hey, choose today. And then it's not just a one-time choice. It's an everyday choice, continually. It is a one-time choice as far as eternity goes, but it's everyday choosing. You get up every morning in the morning, you decide whether you're going to follow God that day or whether you're not going to follow God that day. Father, we're grateful tonight that you give us the opportunity to follow you and to choose. 
And I pray tonight, I know I'm talking to the choir here. I know, Lord, these folk love you. and They wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night if they didn't. And I pray that you'll just continue to, to help our love for you grow more and more and more. God, help us to talk about it to our young people and to our children. Remind them about how good God has been. We laugh sometimes about hearing old people talk about the good old days and the, and the past times. But God, that's what we need. We need to hear about how you came through 40 and 50 years ago and how when families didn't have any food to eat, Lord, you provided a way for them to have meals. And Lord, when they didn't have cars, how you provided a way. Lord, you're, you've sustained us and you've saved us and you've not only all of that, but you're going to come back again for us. Help us to choose today that we're going to serve you with all of our heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me encourage you, don't forget the prayer request out there in the back. Ms. Mary came home uh, uh, and uh, 